Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, friends, thanks so much for listening to the podcast. And we want to make sure that you know about all the other exciting ways to get more exclusive content from The Bill Press Show. We're on Patreon. Did you know that? On Patreon. So to go to Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash BP show to get videos that nobody else gets. All we ask is five bucks a month and you get access to daily commentary. And every week we put up a special interview just for our Patreon subscribers. Hey, it's a great way to support progressive media and get your hands on some fun, new, exclusive content. Thanks so much for supporting the show by going to patreon.com slash BP show. Giving you everything you need to fight the Trump administration. This is The Bill Press Show, live at youtube.com slash The Bill Press Show. One more Trump cabinet member bites the dust. <laughs> what a gang of thieves he appointed here. Ryan Zinke, the latest to fall. Hello, everybody. What do you say? It's a Monday, December 17. I hope you had a great weekend. And are ready to dive into this uh, last week before Christmas and a busy news week with a shutdown <clears throat> looming at the end of the week, and Stephen Miller, the president's chief immigration advisor, said over the weekend, absolutely, absolutely, I think it was on um, the CBS, uh, State of, not State of the Union, CBS this week. Damn. State of, what does the CBS show? Uh, oh, the Sunday morning CBS? Is? Face the Nation. Face the Nation. Thank you. I there we are. I it too. Ray had to help me out there. Yeah. <laughs> All of us a little sleepy this morning. At any rate, he said, Stephen Miller said, absolutely, we will shut down the government to fund our wall. It's the Bill Press Show, folks, as we join you online, on YouTube, as we join you on the radio, join you on television, coast to coast from our studio right here on Capitol Hill in Washington, D.C. Um, we start off today talking about a lot of the economic issues and the economic impact of a shutdown, what shutdown would be. With a good friend, the president and CEO of Amalgamated Bank, our good friend Keith Mestrich. Keith, it's good to see you again. Bill, it's great Thanks to be here. Thanks for coming in bright Thanks. and early. Bright here. and early. Start off the week, huh? Uh, lots and lots to talk about. We want to hear from you and your comments on the news of the day. Send us your comments on Twitter at BP Show. We'll jump right into it with Keith Mestrich and all of you. But first. This Peter. is the Full Court Press. Yes, indeed. Just a couple of other stories making news. Hey, we got a lot of, a lot of rain here in Washington, D.C. over yeah. the weekend. I'm sure enough. you noticed. Enough. Well, it, here's the thing. We now have set a record that has stood for 130 years. We broke the old record for rainfall in a year. It happened Saturday morning when we passed the previous record of 61.33 inches. That was set back in 1889. Of course, it continued to rain 
more than another inch over the yeah. weekend because yeah. it rained again all day Saturday and a lot of the day yesterday as well. Remember, we still have two weeks left in the year, so it's going <laughs> to keep going. We are not alone, by the way. Over the weekend, a couple of different cities broke their annual rainfall record. Baltimore, Wilmington, North Carolina, Charleston, West Virginia, State College, Pennsylvania, all of them set yearly rainfall records this weekend. And again, there's still two weekends left or two weeks left uh, in the year. You know what? I just, I've had it with the rain. Yeah, it was three solid days of it over the weekend. It really was. It was nonstop. Nonstop. Rain. Well, it was, as I mentioned, we got two weeks left in the year. So the end of the year is almost here. Merriam-Webster released their word of the year. Oh. Their word of the year for Merriam-Webster was... Oh God! You mean is that the word that most people look up? It was the yeah. so the way that they well, they talk uh, about this. It was see. the one that was most looked up and also had the most relevance. It's got to be a Trump word. Well, yes, yes. The word is justice. Oh, really? Justice. Oh. Now they point out that this has to do with obviously justice for the crimes that Donald Trump may or may not have committed, <laughs> but also justice, Kavanaugh. Uh, because that was a big thing. They also, said that Department of Justice. Department of Justice, under attack. yes. Yeah. They said that all year long, the word was consistently among the top 20 looked up by, by visitors to their website looking for a definition of the word justice. They said that the searches for the word justice are up 75% this year over last year. You know why? Because people are trying to figure out what it is. Sure. <laughs> and, wait, it's been and redefined. Whether, and whether it still exists, right? Yeah. They say that they also were looking up words like racial justice, social justice, as you mentioned, Justice Department, and also, let's, lest we forget, obstruction of justice. They were trying to figure out all these definitions but, uh, that, that the word justice could And be. Keith, let's add to the list economic justice. Let's do it a little justice. Yeah. Yeah, right. yeah let's get into that. <laughs> all right. This is the Bill Press Show. Well, Donald Trump's got a new chief of staff. Yeah, a retread. A guy's already got two jobs. They couldn't find anybody else who wanted to be chief of staff, so they finally said, all right, you can have a third job. Mick Mulvaney, the acting chief of staff, even though we really know Donald Trump is and always has been and always will be his own chief of staff. That's the problem with that job. Hey, hello, everybody. What do you say? On a Monday, December 17, if your weekend was a good one, we are now ready to dive into a great big week. This should be a time when uh, things settle down before the holidays. No, 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 not this time around, not in Trump world. It is going to be uh, serious, serious uh, negotiations between now and Friday to see if we can avoid a government shutdown. But things don't look good with the White House standing firm and Stephen Miller, the president's immigration advisor over the weekend, saying absolutely they will shut the government down if they don't get the $5 billion they want for Donald Trump's wall. It is the Bill Press Show. Thanks for being part of it as we reach out to you coast to coast. First of all, online on YouTube, youtube.com slash the Bill Press Show. Thanks for joining us online. Don't forget to check out our podcast and sign up for the podcast. We're also joining you on the radio statewide in Indiana 
and out in the greater Chicago area on WCPT and nationwide coast to coast on Free Speech TV. Join me in saying hello to uh, Keith Mestridge. You remember Keith. He is the president and the CEO of Amalgamated Bank. Joining us in studio. Keith, good to see you. Good Thanks to see you, Bill. Thanks for coming in. Thanks. Uh, what about this shutdown? Um, <clears throat> uh, Wall Street doesn't seem <laughs> uh, excited about it, right? Is anybody excited about it? And what impact could it have on the economy? There's so much news going on. Maybe Wall Street didn't even notice that it's about to happen. <laughs> I mean, it's... Uh, but it really it, could. It, 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 well, it's, in, it's unconscionable, first of all, that we would do it at the holidays when nobody's really paying attention to things that could go on crazy stories all around that Republicans might not even get people to come back and cast a vote. Mm-hmm. Don't yep. know that that, that that could happen. And I read in the Wall Street Journal on the way over that the, 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 the White House doesn't even seem to have a plan on how to run the government, how to run the essential functions of the government if they actually shut it down. So craziness over the wall, it never seems to go away. It's diversion away from the president's troubles um, mm-hmm. in you know the courts and everything else and just an unconscionable way to toy with federal employees and, and the American people. So it will impact, of course, maybe I think it's about a little over a third of the government because so many other agencies like the military, TSA, and those kinds of agencies are exempt and would not affect the private sector directly, but uh, indirectly slow things down, I mean, or at least provide um, maybe some uncertainty in the I mean, it's a it's a it's at a slow time from a commerce perspective. But don't forget, there's border agents, there's cross trade, um, you know, activity going on. Mm-hmm. There's the whole flow of money. There's the whole flow of everything that we need the government to, to do. It doesn't happen in one or two days. But uh, if it's a prolonged shutdown, it absolutely has impact on the private sector. So here we are on the on the brink of 2019 with uh, the last couple of weeks. Um, at least twice the market has taken a major dive. Now, we know the market, you and I have talked about so often, is not the only factor that we look at to find out how our economy is doing. We'll get to that in a little bit later. But but it's an important factor. And the market went down 800, like two different days, bounced back. Um, so the New York Times yesterday had a great big in the business section, uh, get ready for the wave, the next wave, not the blue wave that we saw in the midterms, but maybe a recession wave in 2019. Are you as pessimistic? Or well, should there, we, there, or should there, we there, be? There, there, <laughs> you know, the interday volatility of the of the stock markets has been this crazy thing, 400 point, 500 point yeah. swings within one day um, that, that are happening. What the market really hates more than anything else is uncertainty. And and they can't the market can't figure out how to price what's going on in the country right now, what the what a Trump indictment could mean for the economy. I, I mean, if you look at the real economy, right, unemployment's pretty low. People are working. People are spending money mm-hmm. um, this, this this holiday time. There's a lot of good things that are going out there. But all the forward looking indicators, interest rates are starting to go up. That puts pressure on the economy. Housing has really slowed. Um, people aren't, uh, aren't aren't buying houses. You know, one of the unintended effects of that tax bill, that tax law that became a thing, is it made it really hard for people to move. You know, you get there's a little there's a little grandfather clause there for people who stay in their homes that have higher mortgage interest rates. It makes it a real disincentive mm. to move. So housing has has really slowed. There's early indicators that the economy might be in trouble. And if you look any place else in the world, right, the economy has really already slowed down. So, so I think you know we might be on the early stages. Nobody recognizes the recession until we're well into it. Yeah. Um, so we yeah. could be on the early stages of an economic slowdown here. That'll really start to frame the 2020 elections, probably more than anything else. 
so should people uh, those those who are in the market is this a time to uh, <laughs> go to cash? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Maybe uh, adjust uh, their portfolio, so to speak. Or... So I'm not a registered investment advisor in any kind of way, but I do right. think we're probably at the top of market cycle, um, and I think it's been a it's been a long one. It's ten years now, um, and. Uh, um, I, I think a slowdown is, is is highly likely to happen here. How do you rate the fact that, generally speaking, I know it's a very big, very broad brush, we are in, I guess, the tenth year, right, of an economic recovery, eight years under President Obama, and uh, two years, and with a, a guy who's very much a different kind of president, and a presidency that's and a White House that's really sort of like out of control, and yet the economy just seems to have coasted along for the most part. Yeah, well, Does that surprise I, you? I, uh, look, I think the things that Barack Obama and his administration did really put the country um, <laughs> on track for a true recovery. Uh, Donald Trump's been the beneficiary of that. Yeah. Um, some of the things that he's done early in his stage has really propped up the stock market and kept that well. The tax law was a benefit for corporations. It wasn't a benefit for working Americans. Uh, deregulation has provided, you know, another boost, right, to stocks because not only is have we seen deregulation, we've seen no new regulation, right, um, happening. Um, I think people believe that as long as Republicans are in Congress, you'll continue to see that. You'll continue to get favorable court rulings on those those rulings that nobody pays attention to, all those, About, you know, corporate law issues that happen that have all been very favorable from right. conservative justices. Um, but the reality is it's all just a you know house of cards, and we're starting to see, I think, it it, it, um, it decline right now. When you can't support the government, the government can't be a, a contributor to uh, economic stimulus. It's going to be hard. I think it, you know, the recession is unlikely to be a profound one like the one in 2008 was. But we don't have, we're not giving government the tools, right, the fiscal tools that it needs um, in times, and we're going to once again be overly reliant on monetary policy and We'll see if it uh, is enough to get us out of this thing. Uh, this is the season of the uh, holiday parties at the White House. Um, everybody has holiday party except the media. We used to have one. <laughs> uh, we used to actually have two. There was one for print and one for electronic. Yeah. And then uh, Donald Trump, his first year, uh, said, no, we're just going to have one. And it's going to be way scaled back. Keith, I did not make the list. Um, I didn't either. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I'm a member of the White House press corps. And, uh, and, uh, and, and anyway, right? Not complaining. I probably wouldn't have gone. Uh, but this year, no party at all. But they, did, they still had the congressional ball. And the other night at the congressional ball, Friday or Saturday night, whatever, the president saying about how this is an oft-repeated line from the president of how no administration in the history of the world, certainly not in the history of this country, has ever accomplished as much as Donald Trump has. Here he is again. No administration has done more in the first two years than the Trump administration, which is many of the folks in the room. When you think about the tax cuts and the regulation cuts and all of the things that have happened. There, so this is some of the things that you alluded to, but particularly the tax cut he's talking about. I mean, mainly because it's the only piece of legislation that they passed in two years, right? But what impact has it really had? Well, if you're a company, you've been a great beneficiary. Even our company's been a great beneficiary of it, right? We saw our effective tax rate go from almost 40% to 26% when you add in federal hmm. and state really? cuts. Yeah. And, and who's that a real beneficiary for? Our shareholders, shareholders of other companies, right? And and that's that's really been what that tax cut's been used for. It's been used for a lot of share buybacks, which benefit 
you know, shareholders. It's been used. Um, very little of it is wound up in you know ordinary working people's I was pockets. Say, and for the American middle class, for working class families, and people are working. I mean, you can't take you can't take that away. I mean, we're we are mm-hmm. at effectively full employment. But still, the the the, the wages but, have seen very very little movement. We're starting to see a little pressure now, a little upward pressure on on on, on wages. But in ta- in terms of but, tax relief for the middle class, oh, very almost, little, very, very 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 little, right? Yeah. And and you know, I don't think when people fill out their taxes this year, first time under the new tax law, they're going to see a profile. I don't think they'll see a very big difference. Right. Um. Uh, and that again, they're they're one accomplishment. And those c- corporate tax cuts are permanent. Permanent. Right? Yeah. And they're big. Mm-hmm. They're big. Yeah. Um, so um, looking at, looking uh, ahead, or, or the, well, one other thing that Donald Trump has thrown into the mix I have to ask you about, um, are the tariffs. Do we know yet? I mean, I I was always persuaded by the Republicans' arguments that, that we need a fair market, but free market, uh, and particularly in this global economy, and the tariffs were not such a good deal. And I think that used to be the Republican Party platform, right, uh, until yeah. Donald Trump. Yep. Uh, and he slapped the tariffs on China. Now we're supposedly we're in a truce with China. And, you know, re- originally started with tariffs on Canada, tariffs on Mexico. It's hard to find out where they are now. But uh, overall, what's your belief about tariffs? Well, tariffs are supposed to be a temporary tool of trade policy to be able to correct uh, any kind of deficiencies in the in the foreign exchange markets that 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 happen. He seems to think that there's he's tariff man. Remember? Yes. <laughs> he, oh, yeah. he, he no, seems no, no. to think that there's he called himself I'm tariff man. Yeah. Per- permanent way of of waging economic war against uh, against other countries. Um, starting to see it happen in the commodities markets now. Starting to see it happen in the markets that are dependent on steel and aluminum, um, where, where you're you're doing this. Look, GM is closing plants. I mean, there there. I don't think we know the full impact of of the of the of the tariffs yet, and he uses them just willy nilly and, and and out there all over the place. And it is profound how previous Republican dogma about free trade has been oh, turned just, on its uh, on its ear by this president. Right. Well, no, um, they've totally at least maybe they, maybe members of Congress have not changed their position, but they certainly have not publicly disagreed. But, and, and, A few and, of them and, have, and but equally imposed on our friends as opposed to just our yeah. our our. Our enemies, right? I mean, it's not just China; it's it's Western Europe and it's Canada, and so I mean, it's really, it's it's a little bit of craziness. And can, can we afford a trade war with China? Well, I mean, you know, we have this unbelievable trade disparity between you know between them. I mean, I I don't know that the world can afford a trade war without it causing significant dislocation. I mean, we are whether you like it or not. Uh, the world is so unbelievably interconnected now, and disruption of that interconnectedness, you know, really causes problems. Mm-hmm. What do you hear from your? Uh, I mean, you you deal with a lot of these titans on Wall Street and <laughs> as a, a president of a bank. What do you hear from the corporate leadership, at least privately, about President Trump? Yeah, y- you know, they are all. Um, it's interesting. <laughs> there are. It, it's, it's, it's certainly it's, not it's their breed of cat. No, though, I, I mean, you know? I mean, you know, the the sort of New York sort of titans, if you will, tend yeah. to actually be pretty socially moderate or socially <laughs> uh, um, liberal, but very economically conservative. And yeah. they love the tax cut and they love the deregulation and they love what's happening with the judiciary. And those are really the hallmarks of the Trump administration. Um, but they are embarrassed by him and they feel that uh, that um, you know the way he represents the country is just. 
is terrible and the and the things that he does are just you know awful and they'd love him to be replaced by Michael Bloomberg or somebody else right who could who could <laughs> who could do the same things and 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 take over but then if you talk to business people from the middle of the country they love him i mean it's the it's the same phenomenon in the business world as it is amongst you know working people i mean i mean a lot of working people in the middle country love him too i mean there's something that a- appeals about him and and um, um, it's it's the it's a weird dichotomy that exists in the business community the same as it does in the rest of the country. Uh, I, I would imagine on the social area. I mean, he's not a guy. If you think of a Jamie Dimon or whatever, right? They're they're polite. They're gentlemen. They're sophisticated, right? They um, Donald Trump's not welcome in their ranks in terms of social ranks, right? Now, he's not somebody they'd like to hang out with at a, at a dinner party. Well, it's, right? it's ironic that Donald Trump never goes back to New York anymore, right? And so I, I, I think he either goes to Florida or stays at the White House. And I, I, I think he's a little persona non grata, if you will. Uh, you know, I, I was in New York last week and I walked by Trump. To, actually, Peter, I didn't tell you this. I actually walked into the lobby <laughs> no! of what? Trump Tower. Yes. They let I, you in? I was surprised you struck down. I I was surprised at that too, right? But I actually had, <laughs> I actually had sunglasses and a woolen cap on, so I think they might have had a hard time. I just kind of wanted to see how opulent it really is, and it's pretty opulent. You probably even know too. But at any rate, but I was reflecting on the fact that we all thought that he was going to spend little time in Washington and most of his time in his golden penthouse on, on at Trump Tower. He's been there maybe one night I, I think, in the last two I, years. I think, I think he was there only for the UN meetings, and it caused you know total yeah. gridlock yeah. and havoc in yeah. New York when it's it, right. It's on. And New Yorkers were really worried about it. I mean, thought that this yes. would sort yeah. of kind of lock up Manhattan all the time, and he's just not been there. And they still have all that fencing, or not whatever they call the barricades around, but they're not blocking stuff yeah. unless and, he's and, there. And, and right. as you know, you can walk right by it, mm-hmm. right? So um, yeah, that's why I say he's probably not the kind of guy that they. That they like to um, like to hang out with. You mentioned Michael Bloomberg. Uh, it's just I just saw that. Uh, so the big poll in Iowa um, over the weekend, <laughs> Iowa Democrats uh, show uh, Joe Biden at thirty-two percent, mm-hmm. Bernie Sanders at nineteen percent, Beto O'Rourke at eleven percent, and Michael Bloomberg at three. Is the country ready for a Michael Bloomberg? Probably not. Um, it's hard for me to see how Michael Bloomberg wins a Democratic primary. Um, yeah. Hard for me to see how, given his position on guns in particular, gives him a pathway to a general election um, victory. Um, but, you know, this is a guy who just spent $70 million in the Democratic primary, um, undoubtedly bought himself a lot of friends. Um, if I'll give you one scenario. That gets him there, right? Yeah. Is if okay. The, if, is, is if the progressives in the Democratic Party divide everything up and create yeah. a pathway for somebody who can spend and knows how to smartly spend millions, tens of millions of dollars of his own money doesn't ha- doesn't have to spend any time going out and raising money, can spend it all on tactics. Could there be a pathway where he figures out how to get himself enough of a plurality to get there, creates himself as sort of the guy who could win a general election when we're in a recession? Who knows? Any look, we are at a position where oh, anything yeah. can happen. It's Absolutely. two years until this next election. Those polls are name recognition polls. Um, and Mostly, uh, but, right. but 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 don't 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 absolutely count it out. I think it's very difficult to do it, but I don't think it's impossible. Uh, by the way, and it's certainly um, 
could maybe likely, I don't know, but possible that the, that the progressives do split the vote because there are so many. By the time you got Bernie and Elizabeth Warren and Sherrod Brown and Beto, you know, whatever. And Cory Booker and, and Corey, Kamala Harris. And, and, there you go, and, right? You know, I mean, that's a lot yeah, of dividing so you take up your turf. progressive vote, divide yeah. that all up, and somebody like a Bloomberg could, could emerge through. And if, it's but, Trump, if he's running against Trump and those same country club Republicans that we talked about are looking at Mm-hmm. Donald Trump or Michael Bloomberg, and that's why I—that's why I said it. Right. There is the construct of a possible general. Election. I'll tell you the one thing you really have to—I believe—you have to give Michael Bloomberg credit for. He does put his money where his mouth is. I mean, that's particularly true. on the gun control issue. I mean, uh, he—you know—that's a real important issue for him, and he's got this our town. I think it's uh, every town for gun every safety. town for gun safety. Yeah, um, movement and. He's entirely funded it himself no, and has and, done, and, 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 had a great and, impact. And a huge impact. I mean, we, this is actually an area where state and local governments are actually doing something. There yep. was more, yep. There's been more gun legislation that the NRA has not been able to stop in this last year than in a very, very long time. And you do have to give you know, Gabby Giffords and Michael Bloomberg mm-hmm. a lot mm-hmm. of credit you know, on doing that. I mean, the idiocy of our gun laws, right, is maybe finally getting some chips in that uh, – in that iron that they've been able to have because we could go on and on about that. But, you know, Parkland was another thing that happened this year that everybody's forgotten about now. And it was a, you know, terrible, just the latest of a terrible series of tragedies. Right. No, but Bloomberg has been a former Republican. So as you say, some, some Democrats. I think he was a Democrat, then a Republican, then a Democrat again. <laughs> but I mean, <laughs> hey, what do, what do labels mean? <laughs> what would... Um... We're looking at everybody. Everybody's waiting for Robert Mueller to not just drop the other shoe, but drop the report. Right? Whether it's going to happen this spring or this year at all, we don't know. Um, if it ends up in a possible impeachment hearings, impact on the economy? It won't be good. Um, I, I mean, I, I, look, Trump is already acting like a cornered, caged animal here on this kind of thing. And if the Mueller report comes out and it's got uh, and it implicates him in, or his family or his family in any way, this guy is who, who knows what he's going to do. And will we be on the verge of a constitutional crisis? I think we might. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, I do not put it past Donald Trump if the only way to protect himself is to pardon himself and his family, that he will do it. Um, and uh, we will be in an immediate crisis of who is the president of the United States at that point. And yeah, remember that point about the markets not liking uncertainty? Yeah, right. There's a lot of That's uncertainty. Com- and, oh, yeah. And, and we may right. have the sort of biggest wag the dog moment that we've ever seen in this country. Um, and I can't imagine markets responding very well to that. I, it, look, I think they're closing in on him, right? This is, I, I wasn't sure, you know, even a few months ago that if they would actually get to the president, but it sure is starting to feel like this. Um, and, um, uh, I wish we had a saner guy. I mean, Richard Nixon is looking like an unbelievably sane person <laughs> at this point in terms of figuring out how to cut his deal. Not sure. I'm not sure Trump will cut his own deal. We'll uh, see what happens here. Yeah, if you thought Watergate was bad, right? <laughs> <laughs> uh, Keith Metzger is our guest from Amalgamated Bank. It's amalgamatedbank.com. Uh, check it out. I made this point before. Most of us do our banking online now, so it doesn't matter where you live in the country. You can still... Uh, Uh, Step up to the plate here and uh, do your business at Amalgamated Bank, and Keith will take care of you. You, you, Go to him personally, Keith (laughs) Messery. Anyhow, uh, uh, amalgamatedbank.com. With all this this uncertainty, you know, you you just 
you just wonder um, where where we're headed. Do you feel generally confident in the American economy? Uh, genuinely confident, yeah. I mean, we still, you know, we're the biggest tech economy in the world. We are still the biggest creators of intellectual property in the in in, in the world. We still do, we still do great things. Um, uh, so yeah, I genuinely feel confident. I mean, America is still going to be sort of the one of the greatest producers of things and services and and and, and whatnot in the world. Um, but I I do feel like we're at a at a moment of of great turbulence and great uncertainty. The country's unbelievably divided, um, and we can't live like that. And and we will get in trouble at some point. And when we get in trouble, we need government to be able to come in and actually take action. That's what I don't have confidence in right now. I do not have confidence that we have a federal government that can solve problems right. in this country. And and if we really do get in a terrible crisis of confidence because of Trump, or you know, this guy has been so lucky that he hasn't had to face any kind of you know foreign conflict or anything. But if we get into if if Russia really implodes and we have to go to war, or we try one too many things in the South China Sea and we end up in a in a military conflict with China. And we have to step in and do something. I don't have any confidence that the federal government can get anything done, and that's a that's a big problem. No, as you pointed out, um, you were saying you heard on the way over they don't have a plan for dealing with uh, the, the, the the shutdown, shutdown. right? Um, they don't have a plan. Giuliani told uh, we had a reporter in last week uh, that they don't have a plan for dealing with the Mueller report. I mean, um, I don't even know how they're going to staff the government. I mean, nobody wanted to be his chief of staff, so he gave you know Mulvaney's got three jobs now, and and uh, and uh, I, how who's going to run any of these agencies? Who's going to want to come work uh, as part of this administration? Taint the rest of their careers, um, but come into what is undoubtedly about to be complete chaos. Mm-hmm. Is the business community nervous about Democrats taking control of the House? No, because I think that they don't believe anything will happen. I mean, they, they'll be nice. You know, checks and balances and oversight of the government, but 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 I've not seen panic of, of that. If it was both houses of Congress, you know, that might be another story. But I think they just see it as stasis now. Because there's still there still lingers in the business community, which I still find difficult to understand. This general belief that Republicans are better for big business and or for business in general or for the economy in general than Democrats. Yeah, and yet the evidence shows just the opposite, doesn't it? Or shows at least. It's, the economy did pretty well yeah. under Barack Obama. The economy did pretty well under Franklin Delano Roosevelt. The economy did pretty well under John Kennedy and Lyndon Johnson. The economy did pretty well under Bill Clinton. Bill Clinton. And the economy yeah. did pretty well under Barack Obama. And, and um, you know, when you have government that provides impetus to the economy, it can, be a, it can be a great thing, whether it's creating the regulatory environment that allows business to be able to do business or just injecting um, work into the economy. I mean, think if we had a real infrastructure bill that was happening mm. now, real infrastructure bill and building things. Yeah. Um, how much how much even better this economy would be if we were really doing that? That's probably the number should be the number or will be and should be the number one goal of uh, Democrats in the House and Senate. And, and who knows, you know, with Trump talking about an infrastructure bill uh, and some Republicans, maybe that's one that could get get through both houses. Well, if we if we have that mild recession that we talked about mm-hmm. earlier this morning and government can get its act together, that's the way you can propel yourself out of it really quickly. Um, and, I mean, it's not just construction jobs that happen. It's all the materials that go into it. And it's all the work that has to be done, you know, with federal and state and local agencies to pave the way to do this. I mean, it is a huge, huge propeller of, 
uh, of job creation. And, and, and if we could do that, my thesis about government not being able, federal government not being yeah. able to do anything would be proved wrong. And that would be fabulous. Uh, that would be, yeah, that'd be the biggest shot in the arm I think we could give the economy. 100%. And it's been needed for a long, long time. Yeah, way so. better than tax cuts. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Keith Messers, great to see you, my friend. Thanks you, so much for coming in Happy again. Happy holidays. It's amalgamatedbank.com. Happy holidays to you. We'll see you again early in 2019, we hope. I'll take a quick break. Ryan Riley joins us from HuffPost coming up. He's been uh, following uh, the Mueller investigation uh, every step of the way. He'll bring us up to date on that. We'll take a quick break, and we'll be right back. Follow us on Twitter at BP Show. This is The Bill Press Show. And on this Monday, December 17, uh, good to have you with us. Hello, hello, and thank you for joining us here. The Bill Press Show, live from our nation's capital and joining you everywhere in this great land of ours online, on the radio, and on television with all the news of the day. Um, Take a look at everything that's happening with us and send us your comments on Twitter. At BP Show, at BP Show. And while you're at it, on this December 17, those of you watching online or on television uh, know that I'm wearing another beautiful hand-woven scarf here by my wife, Carol, Carol Press. Uh, this is a rayon chenille, a beautiful, beautiful scarf. These are not machine-made, every one of them handmade at Carol's studio right here on Capitol Hill. Uh, I wanted to mention that because it would make a great holiday gift for you or for someone you love. Um, and lots of different colors and designs to choose from. Go to our website, BillPressShow.com, and follow the link to Carol Press Scarves. Very, very important because time is running out, and um, this is these are the last couple of days to order a scarf if you've been putting it off. Um, Wednesday kind of the last day that she could get them out to you uh, to get them there in time for Christmas. So um, check it out today, BillPressShow.com, Carol Press, link to Carol Press Scarves, either in Rayon Chenille or Bamboo. And with that, we say hello to um, our good friend from HuffPost, Senior Justice Reporter Ryan Riley. Hello, Ryan. Hello. Thanks for Good to me. see you. Good to see you as well. Wow. So there's so much happening on the justice front. Uh, so Donald much. Trump again jumping in, um, very, very upset mm-hmm. uh, with Michael Cohen, called him a rat. A rat. But he only became a rat when the FBI, Donald Trump said, illegally broke into his house and his yeah. hotel room and his offices and stole these documents. Yep. Uh, at which point James Comey <laughs> steps up and and accuses the president of attacking the FBI for what he said was just the legal execution of a search warrant. Yep. Right. I have the Comey tweet. Oh, here's the Comey tweet. Yeah, it was pretty strong. Pretty strong. This was in response to the Trump tweet about the calling him a rat. Uh, This is, Comey says, this is from the president of our country lying about the lawful execution of a search warrant issued by a federal. Shame on Republicans who don't speak up at this moment for the FBI, the rule of law, and the truth. This is from James Comey. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. What do you make of this, Ryan? Yeah, I mean, it, it is fascinating just to see, like, this guy who's supposed to be a law and order president. That was his whole thing. Just like, I mean, we've seen this for, like, you know, over a year now. Right? Yeah. He's, like, yeah. constant attacks and barrage of attacks on the FBI. And, you know, the, using that sort of language and calling someone a rat is, like, just, I mean, it's, like, mob, you know, it's mob stuff. Like, it right? is mob like, talk. Yeah. Well, it's just, like, I mean, that's, he's like. He's Queens. The criminal justice system would fall apart had it not been for like this is the way that things are set up. So the idea that suddenly you're, like, really upset when it, you know, when it applies to you is just, you know. Sort of crazy. 
But this is a pattern, right? I yeah. mean, in terms of um, intervention uh, in the Justice Department, either real or threatened. Yeah. I mean, th- just recently, this Chinese executive arrested in Canada at the request of U.S. authorities. Yeah. And Donald Trump said he was going to maybe intervene in that. Right. Right. Yeah, and the White House is like, yeah. <laughs> There's this <laughs> Green Beret over the weekend who's a, who was convicted, I guess, of murdering. Yeah. I'm not sure of all the details. I haven't followed that closely. And Donald Trump, after seeing a story about it on Fox and Friends, yeah. says he's thinking of intervening in that. Right. I mean, this is a legal case that's gone right through the courts yeah. with a certain conclusion. Does he even have the power to intervene and, and from a presidential directive say overturning a judge's ruling yeah well i mean when the, in the green beret case i believe it's a military case so he i mean and also he could um oh, so commander he could, he could in chief I guess. pardon yeah. yeah i mean i think that's really what he's considering and i <clears> wrote a story <throat> earlier this year about how his sort of pardon process works and they you know there is an official office that was supposed to handle these sort of pardon oh yeah and vet yeah them. right but basically what they've done is thrown those out and like it's Fox News producers have essentially become the pardon process. It's whatever airs on that. It's like whatever gets his attention, and that's what you know could potentially lead down the line to some sort of you know pardon or clemency for someone. So that there was actually someone who uh, got a um, I guess a, a clemency earlier this year, and I, I spoke with their lawyer, and they're like, yeah, their whole strategy was just to get them on Fox News to make sure it got the president's attention, and it was effective. It worked. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's you know you have to like <clears throat> get in his brain somehow that way. So yeah, I mean you know this is. I mean, it is you know you, unprecedented is you know is a term that comes up a lot in this in this matter because it's just constant attacks on DOJ, attacks on um, the judicial process here that you know are pretty extraordinary. Well, people to figure that out. I mean, Matt Whitaker uh, was wondering how he could get a job in the administration, and somebody said Jerome Corsi told him get on television, so the president will see you on television, and then and look, he ended up being acting attorney general. Yeah. Still is, still I guess, is, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We I don't think we have a formal nomination at bar at this point. Yeah, it is. It is sort of incredible. You just like set that aside. That it's like this is completely unprecedented in our nation's history that we have an acting attorney general mm-hmm. who hasn't been confirmed by the Senate. Like that's just unprecedented. There is a, the only example they could point to was like a period I think of maybe three to six days, six days I think that actually happened like right after the Civil War um, and before the Justice Department was actually a thing. This was when like you know. The attorney general, it was a much smaller position. It didn't have, you know, I mean, now there are, you know, hundred, over 100,000 DOJ employees and just massive bureaucracy. And at the time, it just wasn't as big of a role. Um, and it was, even then, it was only six days. And it was like, that was a complete, I mean, you know, mm-hmm. think about that. Like in the, you know, 1860s, you know, the idea like six days was like, <laughs> you know, I mean, by the time you sent a letter back and forth, right? It was yeah. like, that yeah. was it, you know. But um, the idea that, you know, it's been over a month now. That we've had this guy that you know, there are legitimate questions about his uh, his ability to act in that role. Right, um, and I I don't think there has been the formal nomination of of uh, mm-hmm. William Barr, yeah. and certainly no confirmation hearings, and there won't right. be till twenty nineteen. So speaking of Michael Cohen, uh, he gave the uh, expected uh, first interview uh, post um, his sentencing mm-hmm. to George Stephanopoulos of ABC News, uh, which aired uh, the other morning on GMA. Uh, and he did say that, um, that uh, clearly that Donald Trump told him to hide these payments. Yeah. He directed me, as I said in my allocution, and I said as well in the plea, he directed me to make the payments. He directed me to become involved in these matters. So he's talking about the payments to uh, Stormy Daniels and to Karen McDougal, 
uh, one to, to Carmen to go through the National Enquirer, uh, the other through this, to Stormy Dennis, through this phony corporation mm-hmm. that he set up in Delaware. Donald, they were, according to the U.S. attorney, mm-hmm. illegal campaign contributions, but they exceeded the amount that one's allowed to give, right. and they were not reported to the FEC. Right. Um, and if Donald Trump directed him to do that, isn't he as guilty as Michael Cohen is for making the payments? Yeah, so here's where it where comes really interesting is because, you know, the issue here is basically what Trump is, there's two solid defenses of it and one or one of the defenses they might use, or not solid, but potential defenses of it. Um, and one of them that they might use is that, oh, this was just a payment. To, it was about my marriage. It was not about the campaign, um, which is a little bit kind of ridiculous on its face. But if that's what they want to go with, they basically have to, one way to do that is to say, listen, I have a pattern of paying off all these women. And that's something that they haven't quite like gone mm. into yet. But that could be a potential defense. And we, uh, a colleague of mine um, actually asked Rudy last week, uh, Rudy Giuliani, whether or not um, that was true, whether or not the president had paid off women in the past. And, you know, the Giuliani sort of, I, I can't say, you know. Or, no, 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 <laughs> but whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah. But a year or so ago, Rudy Giuliani did say, oh, yeah, probably. I mean, basically said, yeah, dozens yeah. of them. Are, I think he's well. I think he said that like this something with he's as I recall. I think if necessary, generally that something like something that happened um, with celebrities, right? I don't know if he was specific in terms of like Donald okay. Trump has paid. I'd have to go back and check, but I yeah. thought he was talking about Donald Trump and said <laughs> yeah. that he certainly would would have if if necessary yeah. would have paid off other women. The problem, of course, there okay. with that defense is that we have you know now both you know AMI American Media Company. Uh, American Media Inc., rather, the owner of the National Enquirer, as well as Michael Cohen saying, no, that's ridiculous. This was, specifically, this was I was just going to point that out. David Pecker said he was in a meeting, he was in a meeting with Michael Cohen and Donald Trump Mm -hmm. at which they they were directed to make these payments for the purpose of influencing the 2016 election. Yeah, I I think that well, I don't think Pecker said that directly because there's because basically they've gone through the company, but Pecker is also cooperating with investigators. Yeah, but yeah. Um, so we don't know exactly where how that's going to play out. That's sort of like the unknown uh, question right now. What's sort of amazing to me is that he's still the head of that company. Like I, I actually like was like, wait a minute, he's still the head of that company. Yeah, yeah. Um, he is. But um, yeah, so the company's cooperating, and so right. we don't know exactly. So what Pecker that sort did. of undercuts the. This yeah. was on, had nothing to do with the campaign. Correct, idea. right? Yeah. Or he would have to say that, like you know, tr- the other defense is, "Oh, I didn't know about campaign finance law." Basically, I was pr- um, uh, relying upon the advice of my attorney at that point. But the that argument is sort of undercut by all of his attacks on Cohen, where he's sort of you know saying this guy's an idiot. You know, <laughs> I only hired him because he was nice to me on the condo board, and you know, he's sort of undermining. It. If you want to make that argument, you have to essentially be like, look, I didn't. I was just listening to the advice of my lawyer. I thought he was an expert, blah, blah, blah. You shouldn't be like saying like, yeah, my lawyer was a, mm-hmm. you know, this d- dumb guy who I just hired and like, you know, was not, he, he called him more of a PR person, which also sort of undercuts the, you know, argument that he was taking his advice, you know, his legal advice seriously. Well, so, another yeah. thing that undercuts that argument is mm-hmm. that, that Cohen was with him for 12 years Donald yeah. Trump kept him, and Cohen stayed on the job for yeah. 12 years. It's incredible when you hear like, so, Trump say that now. It's like you have to say something nice about him on the condo board, and you get a great gig, you know, a high-paying gig within his organization for, for 12 years, sort of, uh, you know. But let's remember <laughs> about Michael Cohen. He told us what his goal is in life, and he feels he's already accomplished his goal. Peter and I have decided this is our favorite bite of the day. Uh, Michael Cohen saying, here's who I am. He wants a statue, I think, erected to him in Central Park. I will be remembered in history as helping to bring this country back together. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> oh yeah, man, for sure. Yeah. I don't care whose side you take in this little battle. Michael Cohen's not going to be remembered as the man who the brought this country back. The confidence in that man, I'll tell you, just like yeah, yeah, I'm good. That's how I'm going to be remembered. To be man, take some uh, <laughs> takes something there. <laughs> right. Okay, so when are we going to see the um, you, you you follow this closely? When are we going to see the uh, final Robert uh, Robert Mueller report? I don't, you know, there's still the question of whether or not, like the the special counsel's office hasn't officially said, "Listen, we're working on this final report." We know that through basically through Trump's attorneys, because you know Mueller's office doesn't leak. Yeah, uh, we know that they're working on this report. We know that. I mean, there was expected that they would potentially be working on this, this report, but it wasn't a sure thing. Um, we don't know whether or not, like, how that process is going to work, especially with this attorney general, acting attorney general now, and whether or not that's going to go, you know, go to the deputy attorney general and then go to the public, or whether it's going to be go to the deputy attorney general and then there's going to be a massive battle with Congress over whether or not. But do you think they'll wrap it up uh, this year? I know, oh, I'm sorry, 2019. Oh, 2019, I think definitely. You do. I think we're yeah, I think 2019. Spring safe. 2019. Spring could be, yeah, I think potentially. Um, you know, summer would also work. I definitely think by the end of the year. Maybe I'll, we'll be back. I, I think that, you know, all, as much as the uh, outside critics have, you know, attacked the Mueller team for sort of slow rolling this, I mean, that's been on a pretty steady clip here. Well, we've got, we've eliminated a lot of stuff along the way. Okay. Um, so one one thing was uh, people were saying that at one point he couldn't wrap it up until he had actually sat down with, the president and interviewed the president. Mm -hmm. um, you've written about uh, Rudy Giuliani's latest thinking about the president's meeting with yeah, Mueller. He's never going to meet. I mean, I think he said over this weekend over my dead body or something along those lines, which is, I right. mean, from, you know, maybe the smart thing that Rudy is, you can't trust the president to say, tell the truth in that in that sort of meeting, right? He just, he would, the, the idea that it's sort of setting it, they've, you know, implied it's setting a trap for him, right? And in a lot of ways, I think with this president, you know, you couldn't anticipate that he would tell the truth in that in that meeting so that would you know that would be a tough situation for him to sort, sort of kind of escape um uh because it would just require him to tell the truth about a lot of things and you know. no you can't trust him to tell the truth for five minutes mm -hmm. uh let, let alone two hours yeah. right yeah so i mean i mean the written responses no, i think are the best we're going to get and that's going to leave sort of an incomplete report but you know there's been this back and forth for months and months and months and months now about whether or not this interview is going to take place so that might just be what what we end up with there most likely not take place yeah i don't yeah. think yeah i think we're just going to be reserved to those written answers right um and also now with um it's interesting the difference in the way um the special counsel and the us attorney and they're 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 certainly connected these two cases mm -hmm. um dealt with michael flynn and michael cohen so mm -hmm. michael flynn they say cooperated fully he mm -hmm. gets no jail time. Mm -hmm. Michael Cohen gets three years. Yeah. Why the difference? Um, I mean, there are a lot of I underlying crimes. I thought they both crimes. cooperated. Yeah, but there are a lot of underlying <laughs> crimes. And also the big thing with Cohen um, was that he lied after he, um, I believe he, lied after he reached the agreement, like he reached the agreement is what they like accused him of, right? So that secondary um, mm -hmm. charge was so significant there. Um, and, you know, it was, it was more of the U.S. Attorney's Office, I think, that was recommending more time. Oh, yeah, they said, yeah. right. Um, whereas, you know, the Mueller team was more open to, I think, a shorter sentence on the shorter um, schedule. But, yeah, Flynn, I mean, hasn't been accused of lying since he began cooperating. And it's really interesting if you Unlike look at— Unlike Paul Manafort. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And if you look at um, 
Right, uh, Paul. Yeah, Paul Manafort. Yeah, I'm just, yeah, Paul Manafort was one. <laughs> right, also accused of lying. Um, but I think that you look at the difference in terms of how the president has treated Flynn and Cohen, and it's sort of remarkable because you know with Flynn he's um, hasn't really said much, but we don't know. You know, Flynn has been cooperating extensively for all these months, and you know he was a key figure at the center of a lot of this Russia stuff, and presumably has a lot of important information about um, the relationship between members of the Trump campaign and. Um, yeah, in Russia. So I think that could be really significant information. But Trump's been what, more upset about the the payments from from Cohen and well, yeah. And back to Cohen. But one other thing that um, that really made clear over the weekend, um, uh, yesterday, I think it was on this week, where um, he said, if Michael Cohen is thinking about a pardon. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> don't hold your breath. Yeah, I had this specific conversation with his lawyers, and that liar can say what he wants. I told his lawyers there'd be no discussion of a pardon. That liar can say whatever he wants. <laughs> Says Rudy. It's just the idea no that pardon. Like, they're even talking. Like, like <clears throat> this is. Uh, I mean, he's supposed to be the personal attorney for the president, right? He's not. The pardon <laughs> shouldn't even be coming up. Like that shouldn't. That's like inappropriate to be discussing. You know, it should be a whole separate matter. In theory, it's supposed to be this independent, you know, review based on the facts and yada yada yada. Right. But it's, right. I mean, the idea that they're using this as like a bargaining chip is just sort of, you know. Well, and of course, Donald Trump has thrown out the possibility right. of a pardon for Paul Manafort. Yeah. So he won't take it off the yeah. table. Uh, in terms of legal, um, okay, you senior justice reporter for HuffPost. Um, I saw, uh, it was, a, I believe, on, on CNN the other day, they had the graphic uh, of the latest status of investigations surrounding Donald Trump which was triggered by the fact that Wall Street Journal reports now that the Trump inaugural committee is Mm. under investigation for possibly taking foreign money to influence some decisions on the part of the administration. So you've got the inaugural committee. Mm -hmm. We know the um, Trump charity Mm -hmm. is under investigation for some illegal campaign or Mm -hmm. charitable contributions. You go down the list. The Trump business is under investigation for financial irregularities, right? The transition is under investigation for maybe collusion with the Russians. And then you got the president himself and the campaign for contacts with the Russians. The president himself under investigation for possible obstruction of justice and collusion with the Russians or witness tampering. I mean, the entire Trump, you know, universe. Yeah. Everything he's touched almost is now under some form of criminal or whatever civil yeah. legal investigation. Yeah. I think it's I, remarkable. <laughs> I mean, it, again, it makes Richard Nixon look like a choir boy almost. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and uh, what's, I mean, yeah, I think it is a definitely like an unprecedented moment in, in history here. And I mean, just if you coming into the situation, there, it's sort of like, it was going to be problematic from the start, right? Because the president wouldn't get rid of all of these investments that he had outside. You, we've yeah. never had this yeah. kind of president who's been this sort of had these many legal entanglements or had these many entities that he's operating. And you know, oh, his son, his son's going to take over this, and he's also going to hire his <laughs> his daughter and his son-in-law. And you know, they're not going to take salaries, but they're also going to have a bunch of conflict of interests about things that they're pushing that would benefit them financially, even if it's an applied trust. I mean, the idea, like, there's just so many, so much room for just corruption, and you know and wrongdoing here. I mean, that it was just a bad situation, I think, from the start. And um, 
it's hard to believe that he could navigate his way through all of these investigations and emerge unscathed Mm -hmm. at all. Well, with his base, it's, I mean... No, I'm not, yeah, yeah. I'm not talking about politically his base. I'm talking about legally. But I mean, also his base in the Senate, I think, is important. Oh, I see what you mean, yeah. I mean, that's, you know, that's, uh, you know, that's where, you know, the rubber's going to hit the road, right, in terms of, you know, I think that the Democrats are probably going to be careful about not making this look like it was a preordained deal. They're not going to want to come out and say impeach right away. They're going to want to go through a process and, you know, more information, even though what we have on the table right now is pretty incredible, they're still going to want to, like, take office, I think, and, like, you know, have a little bit of a runway there before they would move in, you know, tar- talking about too much things along the lines of impeachment. Um, but, yeah, the Senate's going to be the real stop there. I mean, that, that's the stopgap. And um, senators, on, Republican senators on the Hill haven't been willing to engage in a lot of this. And, you know, they dismiss it and, you know, don't talk about it or just say, well, you know, they they blow it off. They don't really take a lot of this seriously. So, yeah, I mean, that's that's where it's going to come down to is whether or not there's going to be enough pressure on on those Republicans in the Senate. And, you know, that could be unlikely because the, a lot of these senators are representing states where the president still has a lot of support. Uh, so Interior Secretary um, Ryan Zinke yeah. has stepped down. Um, we were told that if he had not stepped down before the end of the year, he would have been fired. Um, his Is that the end of the road for Zinke? I mean, meaning is he out of the woods, uh, out of trouble because he resigned or... Could he still be in legal trouble? I think he could. I mean, he could. Well, yeah, he could definitely still be in legal trouble. Um, it's whether or not that. It's this big land deal. I mean, approved. that that was part part of the problem. Right, and it's also uh, about. It's been hasn't been referred to the Justice Department. I believe for so possible. Many, yeah, inve- yeah. <laughs> number of investigations have been referred to the Justice Department. Yeah. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think that um, I think they have a special department at the Justice Department just for Trump cabinet officials <laughs> now, right? Yeah. Um, I you know you look at the Hill though, and I think that they're gonna. It's a matter of you know their timing and whether or not they're gonna because I think it's I think what was it the day after he planned to resign or something there was gonna be a subpoena set that's when they, they mm. would take over. Mm. Um, it's been one of those things that Democrats have been pushing to no success on, you know, in the committees um, on the Hill as Republicans were in control. So I think that that will be still a priority for them to a certain extent, but they're also going to be dealing with a lot of investigations at that time. It'll be a very busy time I think for the um, the oversight that you know the Judiciary Committee is on on cap on. On the hill, uh, how how soon before impeachment hearings begin? I don't yeah, see. I think that they're going to want to lay the groundwork for that. I think they're going to take you know take their time a little bit because I think that you know you're right. The the play here is for moderates. The play here is for like the independents that they have to like and people kind of like you know you look at what happened with Bill Clinton. People don't love the idea of impeachment, so there has to be like this pattern, and you have to really like you know let this this go out. So maybe it's after the Mueller report. Maybe it's you know if, if there's if that comes out and there's enough information there. But I don't think that, you know, even though we have a lot of information that you could certainly make a case for it at this point, it's, you know, whether or not Democrats are going to want to engage in that because that is that moderate. They don't want to lose the support of, you know, those middle of the road people who, you know, might think that, oh, who might, who might believe, you know, this idea that they this is sort of preordained from the start. Uh, what I hear from um, most of the Democrats that I've talked to mm-hmm. in the House is um, just as you said, that there is no appetite for impeachment mm-hmm. before the Mueller report comes yeah. out. Yeah. Know, they really want to have that there and 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 be able to spring off that. And if the Mueller report 
basically says Trump did nothing wrong, yeah. then I think impeachment just goes away. But I think that is why we've seen all of these attacks from you know the president. I mean that, and then and Rudy sort of admitted this, right? He said he's come out and said, yeah, this is like a this isn't the jury is essentially the American people here. Totally. So it's like let's undermine the Mueller probe, and then when this thing comes out, it's already dirtied up, and you know doesn't have that shine that it would immediately if you oh. if the if, you, if if Robert Mueller started off his yeah. public persona where he was when he began. I mean. It's such a good reputation. You know what I've got to ask you about? Yeah. Uh, I'm sorry, I didn't know much time left, but how about this judge's ruling on the Affordable Care Act? <laughs> yeah, uh, that Is was that... significant. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Hello. <laughs> um, I think, you know, I think it's going to be appealed. I think, it, you know, uh, it was it was a very, you know, significant ruling, but I think it's going to be appealed and probably, you know. It seemed to be yeah. a, a, a really... A, um, blatant political ruling, too. It was, yeah. yeah. That's, and the Supreme Court has already ruled uh, that the individual mandate... Yeah. I don't think that's the final word on it. That was... But yeah. yeah, that was... Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So don't panic yet. Uh, <laughs> Not quite. We'll see. If you have your life uh, health insurance now for the first time, you may be able to keep it uh, after all, despite the efforts of all these Republican attorneys general to uh, overturn it. Rylan, it's great to see you. Happy holidays. Happy all right. Holidays. We'll see you uh, early in 2019. Okay. Keep up on top of it. We'll take a quick break, and we will be right back with more of this Bill Press Show this on a Monday. This is the Bill Press Show. Hey, friends, don't be a stranger. Keep up to date with all of the Bill Press Show happenings around the clock on social media. Here's how. You can follow us on Twitter at BP Show or on Facebook at www.facebook.com slash Bill Press Show and on YouTube, youtube.com slash the Bill Press Show. And remember, if you haven't already done so, make sure to subscribe to this podcast on iTunes. And while you're there, please rate and review the show. That means a lot to us. And thanks so much for your support. Giving you everything you need to fight the Trump administration. This is The Bill Press Show, live at youtube.com slash The Bill Press Show. Well, Donald Trump finally has a chief of staff. No, he didn't find anybody who wanted the job. He just found somebody who cannot can never say no. So Mick Mulvaney now has three jobs. What do you say, folks? Great to see you. Happy Monday, Monday, December 17. Uh, can you believe it? Here we are on the Bill Press Show, um, you know, and maybe maybe it'll stop raining in Washington, D.C. Um, <laughs> today. It's been raining for the last three days. We've set a new world record for, uh, not world record, a new D.C. record for rainfall. Um, but looking forward to a couple of sunny days, hopefully, uh, this week. Rain or shine, we are here with you to bring you the news of the day, such as it is. Here in Washington, D.C., a big week where the big talk, of course, is can we avoid a government shutdown? It looks like we will not be able to because the White House is just refusing to budge. They want $5 billion or else for the president's dumb wall, uh, which not even Republicans want. And Donald Trump uh, him is about the only person in Washington who wants a shutdown, is asking for a shutdown, is saying he's proud to shut down the government. And so that means with everything in his hands, as crazy as he is, it could very well happen 
Friday at midnight. So fasten your seatbelts. Uh, that's how we start off the week and look forward. We'll tell you all the other news of the day as well, including about the new chief of staff. And look forward to hearing from you and your comments on all of the above on Twitter at BP Show. Send us your comments on Twitter at BP Show. And we will dive right in. But first, this is the Full Court Press. All righty. Just a couple of other stories making news. Congratulations to Lorelai Hulsey. She graduated over the weekend from the University of North Alabama. Pretty cool, right? It's well, nice it. to see graduation. Laura? difference yes. between her and the other graduates is Lorelai Hulsey is 80 years old. God love her. She went, to, she started going to college back when she was a younger woman and she had to drop out because she needed to work to support the family. And so she just got away from her for all these years. But finally, her granddaughter, who was also a student at the University of North Alabama, said, Grandma, you got to get your butt in school. Mm -hmm. So her granddaughter pushed all the buttons, got her enrolled in school, and Lorelai went back and actually finished it. In fact, she says, graduating from the University of North Alabama is a family tradition. My daughter graduated from here, and now my granddaughter's going to graduate. And now I'm going to graduate. I just... I think it's wonderful. So there you go. Congratulations to her. You're never too old to go back and get your degree. She's also the coach, uh, not the coach. She's the uh, she, uh, one of the main players on the soccer team. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. yeah. No, she's yeah, back she's in full force. Fully in, in, in the mix there. Uh, by the way, you know, one of the things here in Washington, D.C. that's so great are all the monuments, and they're best to go see them at night. At night, absolutely. Right? Well, you would have a problem doing that last <laughs> night because there was a giant power outage last oh. night that left the Lincoln Memorial, the Memorial Bridge, the War Memorial, and the Korean War Veterans Memorial completely in the dark. Completely in the dark. No kidding. Yeah, they could not get the lights on last night. They got it back in the middle of the night. Uh, there were also some street lights on Independence Avenue and Rock Creek Parkway that went out as well. But if you wanted to go see some of the monuments at night last night, you were out of luck. The most beautiful site in Washington at uh, period is the Lincoln Memorial, the top of the steps of the Lincoln Memorial, looking up the mall toward the Capitol. Uh, absolutely spectacular. It's pretty great. Yeah. It's pretty great. I get goosebumps every time. Bill, you have an Alexa in your house. One yes, thing you I love Alexa. One, one thing you don't have in your house, which is probably good, is a parrot. As one man in England found out, Uh-oh. it's not a good idea because his parrot oh, yeah. was talking and ordering things from his Alexa no. from Amazon. So all of a sudden, he was getting all these packages showing up at his house, <laughs> and it was the parrot <laughs> talking and ordering things from Amazon. I love that. <laughs> This is the Bill Press Show. Yep, the mafia is back. Donald Trump calling Michael Cohen a rat. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Right out of the Gambino family or whatever. Hey, hello, everybody. What do you say? It is a Monday, December 17. This is the Bill Press Show. Great to see you. It's good to have you with us as we uh, hopscotch all across the news of the day. Here, coming to you live from Washington, D.C. Uh, and the big story here in Washington is shutdown, shutdown, shutdown. They've got until Friday at midnight, uh, which, uh, by the way, 
with all of that, um, it didn't help that uh, the House of Representatives decided uh, they're just not going to be here today or tomorrow. They're not coming back until Wednesday, which means they even even have less time to resolve this. Uh, the White House is standing firm, saying, "With fi- uh, unless we get the entire $5 billion, we're going to shut down the government. Uh, meanwhile, the other problem is that uh, House Republicans, uh, their numbers are uh, greatly reduced because a lot of the Republican members who lost their election and therefore losing their seats, they're not even here this week, or they're not coming back this week. They just announced, uh, hey, you don't want me anymore? Don't want my job? They took my office away? I got a little cubicle to work out of? Forget about it. I'm getting paid anyway till the end of the year. And so the numbers of Republicans who happen to be here are greatly reduced as well. Uh, that's one big story. Ryan Zinke, Interior Secretary, is out as of the end of the year, forced to resign by the White House. Uh, a judge in Texas has ruled that the uh, Affordable Care Act uh, is uh, entirely uh, unconstitutional, um, a decision that is bound to be appealed and hopefully overturned by the Supreme Court. And everything that Donald Trump has touched uh, has turned to poison because um, every, every, every single aspect of Donald Trump's life, including, of course, he himself is under investigation by one branch of the government or the other. Uh, meanwhile, it was also announced yesterday, Peter, I don't know whether you saw this, that um, there, this is a change. There will be no nativity scene in Washington, D.C. this year. Oh, really? No, they usually have a big one on the um, front steps of the Capitol. Okay. No. Yeah, no nativity scene. They couldn't find three wise men. By the way, not to mention a virgin. Yes, so, yeah, well, of course. So, sure. Anyhow, forget about it for Washington <laughs> for this year. No, it's all over. Yeah, and then uh, they couldn't find a wise man to take a job of uh, chief of staff either. Uh, every single person that Donald Trump offered the job to turned him down. I mean, starting with Nick Ayers, who was, of course, Mike Pence's. Uh, it's pretty embarrassing. Uh, Nick Ayers, who was uh, Mike Pence's uh, chief of staff, 36 years old, rising star in the Republican Party. That was the whole deal. He was going to move over. Ivanka and Jared had talked him into it. And then he met with the president and said, mm-hmm, this is not such a great idea. And he just said, no, thank you. I need to spend more time with my family. Mark Meadows, of course, then the uh, congressman from North Carolina, head of the Freedom Caucus, he suddenly decided he had to spend more time with his family. Uh, Chris Christie was summoned in, offered the job. Chris Christie decided he had to spend more time with his family. Uh, it's pretty embarrassing when three people. Well, it's the holidays. Down. A lot of people want to spend time true. with their families. And you know, it is it is a very important job. And when you look at it, Jim Baker, right? Leon Panetta, John Podesta. There have been some really very smart people. I mean, they're just the ones that pop into my head. Uh, who who've been chief of staff of the president of the United States, uh, Dennis Mc, Dennis McDonough. For uh, for President Obama, Rahm Emanuel. Well, I was talking about <laughs> the ones who stand out in my mind yeah. as really. Uh, he went on to. I mean, he went he on did. to become the mayor he of did. Chicago. I mean, yeah. I, I agree with you. I don't think Rahm was the most effective chief of staff, but it was. You know, it, it launched a political career. It did launch a political career. Yeah, but uh, certainly. Uh, Sorry and, about that, WCPT. I know uh, you've got your <laughs> issues with Rahm Emanuel. <laughs> 
But at any rate, uh, so it's it's a very important job. So then they, they, when those guys dropped out, then other names were thrown out there. Newt Gingrich, I mean, come on. Get, all right. David Bossy, I thought Bossy was going to get the job. He had lunch with the president Friday. We don't know whether or not the president offered to David Bossy, but it's not going to be Bossy. Uh, they were even talking about, I thought the craziest was Jared. Of course, he's given, put Jared in charge of everything else, right? So, yeah, like, in a sense, why not? Uh, but talk about the little nepotism play. So, in the end, the president did what he's done already twice before when he couldn't find anybody to take a job. He offered it to, he gave it to, he ordered it to, ordered Mick Mulvaney to take it. So, Mick Mulvaney is now a director of the Office of Management and Budget. He is director of the Consumer Finance Protection Bureau, and he is now also the acting, 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 acting only uh, chief of staff. You know, anybody who would even consider taking that job after watching Donald Trump in the Oval Office with Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer and seeing how just totally out of control and out of his element he was uh, and just impossible to deal with. Um, anybody who was thinking about it before then, I'm sure just said, huh, what, forget about it. You know, it's 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 kind of funny, too, because as, as much as Donald Trump talks about how much he hates the media and the media is bad, the media is terrible, there are multiple reports that said that Donald Trump was infuriated because he was watching the media uh, by all the reports saying nobody wanted to be his chief of staff. Right. Which, well, it was not a made up story. As you just no. mentioned, multiple people were talked about and, and they all had to deny it publicly. At least three have said they were offered the job and turned it yeah. down. Yeah. And so he Nick was Ayers. so mad about it yeah. that he just he just reached out for the first person that he knew would not turn him down, which was Mick Mulvaney. Right. Because he just had to say, look, see, so, I don't have a problem filling this job. Mick Mulvaney would probably be Secretary of the Interior. He'd be First Lady if Donald Trump asked him. <laughs> uh, Mick Mulvaney, we know, um, now this, the sound here is a little hard to understand, but, but this was 2016. Uh, after Donald Trump, Donald Trump's on the verge of being, being elected president, Mick Mulvaney is uh, saying, 2016, uh, what he thinks about Donald Trump, he's going to support him, but... Yes, I'm supporting Donald Trump. I'm doing so as enthusiastically as I can, given the fact I think he's a terrible human being. Uh, but the choice on the other side is just as bad. Yes, I'll support Donald Trump. I'll do so as enthusiastically as I can, even though I think he's a terrible human being. Wow. Mm -hmm. Right. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> okay, yes. And now uh, you are, um, you're willing to do whatever he wants you to do. Uh, so we'll see how long. We'll wonder how long the acting chief is. But, but, but look, let's just be honest. Donald Trump is now, always has been, always will be his chief of staff. That's the problem that Reince Priebus, that's why Reince Priebus couldn't do better. That's why John Kelly burned out. Donald Trump doesn't want a chief of staff. Uh, and he is now his own communications director. He is now his own press secretary. And Donald Trump, more than ever, is now his own Chief of Staff. Well, uh, things got a little hot for uh, Michael Cohen over the weekend. Remember, he was sentenced last week. We talked a lot about this. To uh, three years in federal prison starting March 6th, required to pay over uh, $2 million in fines for a whole series of uh, charges, uh, eight crimes that he was uh, that, that he admitted 
pled guilty to, um, including the payment of the hush money payments to Stormy Daniels and to Karen McDougal and directing them. Uh, Michael Cohen was expected to give an interview after his sentencing. Uh, everybody figured George Stephanopoulos would get the big interview, and he did on ABC News, uh, aired uh, Friday morning on GMA, where uh, Michael Cohen, among other things, said, in fact, yes, indeed, I did make those payments, and I was directed to do so by Donald Trump himself. He directed me, as I said in my allocution, and I said as well in the plea, he directed me to make the payments. He directed me to become involved in these matters. He also said that he uh, directed him to hide the payments as well. Uh, and so clearly, Michael Cohen is saying, uh, yeah, I committed these crimes, but I did not so did not do so on my own. He was trying to hide what you were doing, correct? Correct. And he knew it was wrong? Of course. Boom. Of course. But uh, Michael Cohen says uh, that uh, he, um, Donald Trump may not like him. Donald Trump calls him a rat, uh, but that the American people will remember him forever as um, he's sort of like, what, I don't know, the next Abraham Lincoln? I will be remembered in history as helping to bring this country back together. <laughs> <laughs> that is so funny. That's so great. <laughs> Uh, just a couple of years, you know, there'll be a new monument on the mall. Right? Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. Do you have to be dead yet before to get a, you get a monument? Probably. Probably. But, well, you know. We'll never forget the name Michael Cohen. Never forget Michael Cohen. He's the man who brought the country together, back oh, together again. Oh, man. I mean, you can see why he and Trump got along so well. <laughs> you know, point. like for all this for all this stuff we keep talking about, how Michael mm -hmm. Cohen is finally, finally apparently doing the right thing and telling the real story of what happened. Like, Michael Cohen is a snake. He's a total skunk. Absolutely. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. look, okay, great. He's doing the right thing finally. You Still not... makes him a terrible human being. I keep coming back to the fact that for 12 years, he served as Donald Trump's personal attorney, a little office right outside of Donald Trump's office, doing whatever Donald Trump told him to do in his personal life, in his business life, in his social life, whatever. Uh, Michael Cohen was there. Well, there's no love lost now down at the White House. Donald Trump, of course, we said, as we said, called him a rat over the weekend. Uh, this is this is the mafia talk, as you as you said. We've talked about this several times. times. He, he uses mafia language, right? Dangles these uh, pardons out over people. He talks about you know not tell, not giving up your friends, and when someone praises does, the people who refuse to cooperate, yep, and says someone, the heroes are the ones who stand up to the uh, law enforcement and lie. Yeah, and then when someone does tell the truth, they're all of a sudden a rat. Yeah. Right, uh, it's ma it's mafia lingo, and uh, and of course Rudy, who's now his personal attorney uh, and uh, publicist, if you will, uh, says about Rudy Julia. I mean uh, Rudy calling Michael Cohen the liar yesterday. This man, you will never know what the truth is. He lies to fit the situation he's in. And Rudy says, "I'll tell you one thing, Michael Cohen. Paul Manafort may get a pardon, but you're not." I had this specific conversation with his lawyers. And that liar can say what he wants. I told his lawyers there'd be no discussion of a pardon. Okay, there you go. Ryan Zinke, out of a job, Interior Secretary, just the latest of the cabinet members uh, of cabinet members to fall. 
by uh, because of eth- ethical problems. You know, now let's remember Barack Obama, eight years, didn't agree with everything he did. Still a damn good president. But one thing you guys say, there was not one ethical scandal, not one person around Barack Obama, and certainly not Barack Obama himself, who ever got into financial problems, legal problems, ethical problems, right? Donald Trump, it is nonstop. I mean, think about it. It started with Tom Price bounced out because of uh, uh, abusing uh, his office for personal travel. Same thing with Scott Pruitt at EPA. Same thing with David Shulkin at the VA. Still on the job, but also fighting ethical problems, are Steve Mnuchin at Treasury, Wilbur Ross at Commerce, um, Ben Carson at Housing and Urban Development, right? I mean, it's just, and then the president himself is under investigation on every front. His, the latest is his inaugural committee, pardon me, is now being investigated for taking foreign money, which they're not allowed to do, uh, from countries that wanted to you know, get a little, uh, maybe some special favors from the new administration. So his inaugural committee, the Trump charity, the Trump White House, of course, the Trump transition, the Trump campaign, and the Trump business empire. They are all under separate investigations for various wrongdoing, cr- criminal wrongdoing. I, I mean, every, every aspect of Donald Trump's life uh, has this legal uh, sh- cloud over it uh, these days. So it really is um, a gang of thieves uh, when you think about it. On the legal front, also a uh, very troubling decision over the weekend. A judge in Texas, a uh, very conservative judge, some 20-some Republican attorneys general of uh, red states have been shopping around for a judge uh, to test the constitutionality or to challenge the constitutionality of the Affordable Care Act. Yes, they are still trying to get rid of it. You know, they voted, what, 45 times in the House of Representatives under Paul Ryan to do so, uh, failed to repeal the Affordable Care Act. Donald Trump has been chipping away at it everywhere he can by every way he can by executive order. And meanwhile, these attorneys general have been running around the courts of the country trying to find a court that would rule in their favor. They finally found one in Texas. A judge ruled that the not just that the individual mandate uh, is unconstitutional, but that the entire Affordable Care Act is unconstitutional. Uh, and he said, "It's basically, it's, this is the end. It should be the end. It's inoperative. Whatever, a decision that is bound to be appealed uh, immediately, and will go all the way to the Supreme Court. Uh, a Supreme Court which has already, in a sense, this is like, why did why even go through this anymore? Because the Supreme Court has already ruled. Now there's a new member on the court, two new members on the court, I guess, since they did so." But basically, the makeup of the court hasn't changed that much. The Supreme Court, with with the four progressive justices and Chief Justice John Roberts, those five votes are still there. They have already ruled that the individual mandate is constitutional and that the Affordable Care Act stands um, under sound constitutional law. 
So it's hard to believe that this judge's decision of the weekend will get anywhere. Um, but Dick Durbin, uh, number two Democrat in the uh, Senate, points out that uh, this may be this 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 could very well blow up in the Republicans' faces. The largest issue in the last election, November sixth election that moved 40 seats from the Republican column to the Democratic column in the House. The biggest single issue was the Affordable Care Act and whether it would cover people with pre-existing conditions. So that was the number one issue in 20, here this year in 2018. Worked very, very well to Democrats' advantage, particularly in House races. And now, with this decision, the Republicans are going to have the Affordable Care Act yet again the principal issue in 2020 unless they get it resolved awfully quickly, which is why, I don't know whether you noticed over the weekend, but a lot of Republicans were not jumping up and down with glee over this judge's decision because they're thinking, oh, God, now we, gotta, now we still have this issue. But these Republican attorneys general, again, were out there pushing this, still pushing for repeal of Obamacare, or the Affordable Care Act, which is more popular than ever before because so many millions of Americans have signed up. Again, Dick Durbin pointing out, for working families, this is bad news. If you're going to take away the Affordable Care Act, how will you protect people currently using it for health insurance for their family? And they don't have an answer. You know, it, the, They don't have an answer. The thing that's so fascinating about this is, as you put it out, uh, the midterms were won by the Democrats on this issue. This was yep. the issue yep. that they they campaigned on. Uh, Republicans didn't really have a great answer for, but Republicans had turned a corner in terms of messaging because they were—I mean—they were lying. But they said, you know, hey, we want to protect pre-existing conditions. We don't oh, want to yeah. take those yeah. away from you, which is a lie, which right. is just a flat-out lie. But you could see they knew fighting the Affordable Care Act was no longer a winnable argument for right. them. It was well, over and done with. They have already started to get away from it. And now they're going to have to come back and face this again. It's mm-hmm. beautiful. Right. It's beautiful. Uh, but yeah, but this right. is the the chaos that they've unleashed. And, and they've got nobody to blame but themselves. Exactly. Uh, Chuck Schumer also pointed out uh, yesterday, he was on Meet the Press, about um, some of the impact of this on real people. It would knock out funding uh, for treatment of opioids. It would raise drug prices and close the donut hole so seniors would pay more for drug prices. It would eliminate a lot of maternal care, all kinds of women's health. It's an awful, awful ruling. Awful, awful ruling. And so Donald Trump again, sounding basically using the very same language he used during, his, uh, during the presidential campaign. Remember he said, we're going to repeal Obamacare. Well, what are you going to replace it with? Well... He was at the congressional ball. There's a congressional ball down to Weiss over the weekend. He referred to the uh, this ruling from Texas, uh, but he said, don't worry. We're going to replace it with something really, really, really great. I believe we're going to get really good health care. Exciting things happened over the last 24 hours. Yeah, what does that mean? You know what? He doesn't have a clue. It, no idea what he's talking Do you think they have another plan? No. But the only plan they, they have had a is, chance. They have they had a chance. They've had the last two years. What did they come up with? Remember that we went through that. How much time did we spend about repeal and replace, repeal and and everybody kept saying, okay, 
replaced with what? They never came up with a plan. And so finally they just stopped saying repeal and replace and it was just repeal, repeal, repeal. Uh, and now they're facing it again. How'd that work out for them? Yeah, how'd that work out? And now Donald Trump again saying, uh, yeah, we're going to come up with something really, really good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We'll wait. <laughs> God. We'll wait and see what that is. Even uh, Republican uh, Susan Collins uh, said, uh, don't get too upset about this because um, probably uh, not going to happen. He could have taken a much more surgical approach and just struck down the individual mandate and kept the rest of the law intact. I believe that it will be overturned. Uh-huh. Yeah, I think she's right about that. On the political front, a little bit of news out of uh, Iowa. Early poll, uh, although <laughs> early poll, when you think about it, the Iowa caucuses are like a year away. So I'm not, but I'm not ready for this. I am not ready for the Iowa caucuses. As you know, you've heard me so often, I think the Iowa caucuses are crock and they ought to just do away with there's no reason why Iowa should always be number one and then of course we're followed by the New Hampshire primary and nobody has the balls to change it it'll always be that way but it does not reflect um, what this country is all about by having the very first test in Iowa but we'll be stuck with it again so there you go at any rate so the first poll among Iowa Democrats with some 30 Democrats uh, saying that they're interested in running for president uh, and plan to do so. Um, the first poll shows the four top runners, or the three top runners, I should say. Joe Biden, 32%. He's going to run. Bernie Sanders, 19%. He's going to run, too. And in third place, interesting, it's not Elizabeth Warren. It's not Kamala Harris. It's not Cory Booker. It's not, it's not Michael Avenatti. It's Richard Ojeda. It's not Richard Ojeda. Oh, damn. It's not John Delaney. Damn. No, you get down the list, damn. right? Uh-uh. Beto O'Rourke comes in at 11, which, um, whatever it means, is a pretty good showing for somebody who's been one term in Congress and lost the Senate race. Uh, great candidate, but um, not sure he's ready for to be the nominee of the Democratic Party. By the way, Michael Bloomberg, uh, not such a great showing, 3, 3% for Michael Bloomberg. That feels but, generous. But that's before he spent $80 million, yeah. which he could spend in <laughs> Iowa. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Again, it's really just a name recognition at this point. Uh, also on the political front, we are going to have uh, a, another new senator from uh, Arizona, John Kyle, former senator, who is now senator again because he was announced to take uh, John McCain's seat um, temporarily. He said he would do so temporarily. Uh, last couple of days, he said he's ready at the end of the year. He's had it. Uh, so there'll be yet another uh, vacancy there in Arizona. Uh, and again, Cindy McCain, John McCain's widow, will have a lot to say about uh, who gets that seat. And this is the week when shutdown will be decided. Uh, they have until Friday at midnight to resolve the issue. At this point, uh, the White House uh, refuses to budge. They say they want their entire Five billion dollars for the wall, or they're going to shut down the government. Uh, Stephen Miller, the president's chief uh, immigration or uh, advisor, uh, said uh, on one of the Sunday shows yesterday, 
uh, would they would they sh- actually shut down the government just because they didn't get their way on this one issue? And his response was, absolutely. So at this point, better than a 50-50 chance that the government will shut down right before Christmas. Uh, Merry Christmas, Donald Trump. Uh, that's it for a little rundown of the news of the day. Uh, but let's go down to the border and find out the latest that's happening there. We do so with the help of Rebecca Intralgo from Think progress coming up next we'll take a quick break and right back this is the bill press show monday december 17 it is the bill press show thanks for being with us folks very very big week coming up with a big government shutdown uh uh, and uh, we will bring you up to date on that and all the rest of the news of the day here on uh, the bill press show and look forward to hearing from you and your comments on Twitter uh, at BP Show. Uh, another big week because this is the uh, the last few days when you can get your Christmas shopping done or holiday shopping. And um, let me remind you one more time that one great gift uh, for yourself or someone you love is just like something I am proudly wearing again this morning. I've told you before, purple is my pur- uh, favorite color, and this is a purple and black Shadow weave, I think it's called. I'm pretty sure I should know more about it. But hand-woven scarf by my wife, Carol Press. She does these in many different patterns and colors. Uh, this happens to be rayon chenille. She also makes them in bamboo. You can see for yourself all the different uh, choices. If you go to our website, BillPressShow.com, follow the link to Carol Press Scarves. But very important, you got a couple of days. If you want it by the holiday, by Christmas, only a couple of days to get your order in. Wednesday's really the last day that she could ship it and get a scarf out to you. So uh, take a look today at BillPressShow.com. Carol Press scarves, lots of different colors and sizes uh, and uh, and designs to choose from. Uh, join me in saying hello to Rebecca Entrago from Think Progress back with us to talk about some of the border and immigration issues. Hi, Rebecca. Hi. It's nice to see you. Nice to see you as well. And we've been bombarded with comments this morning so far, yeah. Peter. Uh, yeah, lots of comments. Date. Let's start on Twitter at BP Show at BP Show. Robert Campbell, you were just talking about the Iowa caucuses that are coming oh, up yes. in about a year. Um, he says, uh, Chuck Grassley, Joni Ernst, Steve King, please tell me why these people always <laughs> get the first crack at nominating the presidential candidates. That's true. It's no. pretty. Disgusting, and and caucuses are the least democratic way to vote. It's mm-hmm. outrageous that we give that recognition to Iowa mm-hmm. every year. Yeah. We were talking about all the different chiefs of staff uh, that, that <laughs> have gone on to do other things. I oh. mentioned Rahm Emanuel. Chicago is mad Uh-oh. at me. Yeah. And I wasn't <laughs> trying to say he did a good job. I just mentioned his name because he's a high-profile guy. Romaine says, Peter, you keep it up about Rahm Emanuel. You're going to get coal in your stocking. <laughs> Romaine is listening in Chicago on WCPT. Yes, right. I, I apologized to WCPT listeners that they got Rahm Emanuel out of the deal. Uh, and you, uh, I, I just want to point out that when I was mentioning the outstanding Americans who have served as chief of staff. I am not the one who mentioned Rahm Emanuel. I was just saying he's a high-profile guy. You're, he's not a great American. He didn't do a good job, and, and clearly didn't do a good job in Chicago either. Uh, one final comment from Fred Wilder. He says, Bill, have you not figured out that the sole purpose of the GOP is to make life as difficult as possible for as many people as possible? It keeps their oligarch masters rich and continuing in power even when they lose an election. Maybe in another 100 years, Americans will finally figure this out. Find us on Twitter 
at BP Show, at BP Show, if you have a comment. Yeah. Uh, we in California have already figured that out. There's practic- <laughs> the Republican Party in California is practically non-existent. And uh, as many good things start in California and move across the rest of the country, we can only hope that that happens here as well. It'll take a while before it gets to Florida, <laughs> then, if yeah, it goes I, across the state. I think so. You're right. <laughs> so, Rebecca, a group of uh, members of Congress chose um, this uh, weekend to go down to the border to mm-hmm. see this tent city uh, that the government has uh, where they house the young mm-hmm. boys, I believe. Yeah, right they're uh, unaccompanied minors, so uh, uh, boys who come across the border by themselves. Right. Uh, some of those members were not too happy what they saw. Here is a Congresswoman Judy Chu from uh, California. I am shocked and outraged by what I saw in there. There are 2,700 children ages 13 to 17 who are, in essence, locked up there in a child prison. And uh, Senator Tina Smith from Minnesota as well. This is unacceptable for this great country. Is unacceptable in this great country that this is the way that we are treating children. And then Beto O'Rourke, still for another couple of weeks, congressman from Texas. It's in a remote location on purpose so that the American people do not know what is happening here. 2,700 kids, some of whom we learned have been here since summer. So, you know, he's got a real good point there. We don't hear much about this yeah. camp, but it's there. The kids have been there a long time. Mm-hmm. What's happening with them? Are, going to, are they going to school? Do they know where their parents are? Is there any plan to what happens to them? Yeah, I mean, the reality is we really don't know a lot about what's going on in these camps. Um, for the most part, you know, they get their meals. Um, uh, sometimes they'll be picked up by a sponsor, you know, some in a, in a foster care type situation. Or maybe um, there are, uh, you know, family members who are already living in the United States who can claim them. But in a lot of times... Um, the family members are undocumented themselves, so they're kind of fearful of interacting with any sort of um, federal government agency um, because of their undocumented status. So, we, you, know, it, you know, like our work says, you know, we really don't know what's going on because it's in such a remote location. Uh, you know, you can't take any pictures. You, you have to schedule tours. Um, you know, when the family separation stuff was happening, a number of um, even Republican uh, then congressmen or congressman for a few days, Carlos Corbello, went down to uh, one of the facilities in uh, Florida and got denied. And he's like, I should be able to come in here whenever I want. You know, we pay your we, we pay for this all. Um, so, you know, you really have to ske- it's, it's difficult. You have to schedule a meeting to go in there. You, it's very strict what you can what you what you can interact with, what you can't interact with. So, I mean, the, they're very tight lipped about what's going on there is. um so there's more than one of these camps? Yeah, I think, I believe that there's one in Tornillo, Texas. And these are not kids who came with their families, is that? No, is yeah, that, these are these are kids who uh, came by themselves. They're ages? And ages, I mean, as, as young as like six or seven, um, as, as old as 17, 16 years old, who come by themselves, unaccompanied minors. There was a, um, back in the Obama administration, there was a big influx of un- unaccompanied minors. Right. So the, uh, the same type of um, children who come. Right. Who's in charge of these camps? Um, so it would be probably uh, Department of Homeland Security and then healthcare, um, healthcare, <laughs> HHS. HHS. Yeah. But I mean, in terms of d- handling these kids, mm-hmm. I mean, there's so many needs. There. Yeah. I mean, feeding them, mm-hmm. housing them, mm-hmm. um, educate school. Yeah. I mean, uh, their healthcare needs. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is not something that you could just get like any border guard. Right. Who would be 
right. would know what to do. Right. right. Well, with HHS, the Office of Refugee Resettlement is usually what handles the children. <laughs> um, and so, uh, you know, supposedly they're trained to handle children. And there are some, I believe, some like elementary sort of educational needs that are being met there. Um, but, you know, like I said, it's we don't really know the specifics of what is going on down there. Uh, have these kids requested asylum? So what is their status? Are um, they I believe considered they're just, refugees or immigrants? Is the plan to send them all back? or? I, I mean, I believe the plan is to get them settled in with um, get them settled in with uh, sponsors or foster care situations. And then they can sort of plan their case from there. Um you know, there are, there are a lot of – I think what the problem is now there's just a lack of um, legal representation for children. Um, there's, you know, uh, immigration attorneys are just overwhelmed with the number of cases they're handling. Um, and, you know, there's been data put out by track that, you know, immigrants who aren't represented by uh, a lawyer, there's like a 98 percent chance that they get deported. So, you know, there, right now there's a, a real um, battle with legal representation at the border for these right. children. Right. So um – Beto O'Rourke has, um, among others, has said that the the contract mm-hmm. and the funding for these ten cities should not have to be should not be renewed, mm-hmm. uh, which raises the whole question. And Donald Trump now wanting five billion for the wall, about how effectively the money that has gone to the border has been spent. Right. Uh, are we getting our dollars worth there? You've been reporting yeah. on not not so much, huh? No, I, I mean, so um, Department of Homeland Security contracted uh, out uh, a company called Accenture, um, and they gave them, they believe the contract was about $297 million to sort of streamline the intake process um, and to hire more guards. It was basically to meet the demands of the Trump administration. You know, he wanted to hire a lot more guards, a lot more people to work with, um, uh, you know, cases and stuff like that. This is mainly for um, CPB, so Customs and Border Patrol. Um, and I, I believe the OIG, the DHS Office of Inspector General report came out and said that I believe they'd spent about $13.5 million worth of the contract already, but only two people had been hired over the past, I think, like almost a year. Um, so that's just <laughs> a great mis- uh, misuse of funds and that it's not being, you know, handled accurately at all when they do get the money. <laughs> So Thir- it's 13 and a half million dollars and um, hired two people, two people to um, do this report. Yes. And, um, you know, uh, Customs and Border Patrol basically said, you know, that, that doesn't tell the whole story. We we created, uh, you know, a whole a streamlined intake process for applicants. And um, but the Office of Inspector General said, well, they were mainly using um, the resources that Customs and Border Patrol had already put in place. They weren't using any ones that were created by Accenture, this company who they contracted out. A lot of the work the government does is through contractors. But, you know, as we're being shown, I mean, like they still use the the, the funds and the resources that these government agencies already have. So it's not really, you know, I don't I don't think it's necessary to contact out almost three hundred million dollars to a company if they're going to be using the resources that the government already has. Um, so, you know, that's something that I think a lot of House Democrats are really looking into. And one of the reasons why they don't want to budge on the money for the border wall is because, you know, we you know, the government already contracts out with companies. They already send, you know, spend all this money and it's not being used properly and it's not being used efficiently. And it's just a giant money pit. So we get into the where we are to this week. Mm-hmm. The showdown. There's mm-hmm. basically one issue yeah. between us and shutdown, and yeah. that is five billion dollars mm-hmm. for the border wall. Democrats are offering one point six billion, mm-hmm. uh, which I think they're offering too much. But yeah. that's just my personal <laughs> point of view. Yeah. But what is the one point six billion for? Is it for 
a mini wall or just a, a few feet of a wall, or is it for the wall at all, or what? Yeah, what I, are they saying? I believe it's just for um, hiring more security on the border. I think it'd just be for, for beefing up security there um, and maybe partially. Border security short of a wall. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I believe that's what they're what they're going for. Um, the actual, like, building a physical wall, I don't think that they want to spend any money on that. Um, but, uh, yeah, I believe it's just for beefing up security along the border. But, okay, so, but... Trump is insistent on he wants the five, a physical wall. <laughs> a physical wall. Yeah, and f- which five billion will not pay no, for? No, 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 no. It's I, I don't know the exact number, but it's definitely more expensive than the number he's I've requested. Seen, I've seen twenty twenty. Yeah, that that sounds about right. Um, and you know we've I, I think <laughs> it just. I don't know. Do you remember when he made that comment about how he wanted like the wall to be transparent and like he wanted it to be tall enough so like people couldn't throw drugs over? Like this is like a year ago. <laughs> it's just very odd to me. Like I, this, I mean, remember it's going to have solar panels on top of it. Yeah, too. I mean, it's just very indicative. It's going to be a beautiful how, wall. <laughs> a beautiful on wall on this side. On this uh, side, it'll be, be trash yeah. on the other side. Right. No, but like, but you know, it's very indicative of how his brain works. Like. I don't know. His his whole brain works like the only way we can fix this immigration problem is yeah, we put a wall there like that's and then it'll be done. But um, it's a by the wall. way, he, he tweeted about it again uh, no. this morning. Did he? Re- and oh. I just again, everybody gets mad at me when I say this, but <laughs> the president of the United States cannot read or write. He can't spell <laughs> things, and everybody says that I'm being elitist. But I just I I just we need to have a president who knows how to spell things. There's a vast conspiracy about that. that right, <laughs> right. Uh, he said... Uh, I don't think it's too much to ask no. for a president who can spell. No. Uh, he said, anytime you hear a Democrat saying that you can have good border, B-O-A-R-D-E-R. Well, it's good important to have good borders. Border, you know, yeah. Border. Loud and trashy borders. <laughs> right, being, yeah. right. You know, uh, them. Anytime you hear a Democrat saying that you can have good border security without a wall... Write them off as just another politician following the party line. Time for us to save billions of dollars a year and have, at the same time, far greater safety and control. And again, you know the president wrote it because there are weird capitalizations and misspellings. Mm-hmm. And it comes back to, we talked that the central fallacy for me is that you could ever build a wall so high you can't get over it mm-hmm. or so wide you can't get mm-hmm. around it or yeah. whatever. I mean... Yeah. There's no wall no. that you could not penetrate <laughs> no. or dig under or no. whatever. No, and it's just, again, it's just a giant money pit. I mean, the government has proved that it doesn't know how to manage any money when it comes to DHS or, or anything like that. It's just a, a mess over there. And if, if you know, with um, John Kelly out, I don't think Kirsten Nielsen's going to stay for much longer. Um, they were kind of buddy-buddy, so I don't, I, I don't foresee her uh, sticking around much longer either. So you're saying there will be a shutdown? Oh, I, I mean, well, he's he he genuinely wants a shutdown. Like he wants to use this border wall as like a wedge to go to his supporters and be like, you know, Democrats are trying to stop the one thing I promised. Like one of the one thing that like people rallied around him for. Like you can blame the Democrats for it. They don't want to budge on the border wall. It's their fault. But he wants. I mean, he wants that. He wants, and he's and he said, you know, as you know, he said it multiple times. He wants. He's saying the quiet part loud. He's saying what he's not supposed to say loudly, which is I want a border wall. Um. So I can put, you know, blame Democrats for the shutdown and for not, you know, you know, uh, fulfilling my big campaign promise. And were there any doubt uh, about their willingness to budge? Mm-hmm. Stephen Miller, the president's immigration advi- chief advisor, yeah. uh, yesterday on one mm-hmm. of the Sunday talk shows said, mm-hmm. 
No, absolutely. They will shut down the yeah. government over this yeah. issue. They will. There's no flexibility whatsoever. Yeah. By the way, I, I feel like I wouldn't be doing my job. I was just I about, I know what you're going to mention. I, I just <laughs> have to put it, I know that this is a, a visual thing, but you all have Twitter. Go to Twitter and go find it. When Stephen Miller went on TV, he had spray on hair. Yeah. Really bad spray on hair. I, I, no. I, I, Bill, I have oh, to show really? you the picture. No, I so, haven't. You know, I haven't he, seen it. He's in his mid thirties, <laughs> yeah, and he looks yeah. like he's fifty five. Right? He's uh, he's, he's he's basically bald. He's basically mm-hmm. bald, but he had like the hair in a can. Yeah, Get that he out. sprayed <laughs> really on top bad. of his hair. And no. I and I, oh, you know, bald. look, I, I'm 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 a very petty person by nature. Yeah. Uh, so, but when I saw it, I was like, oh, okay, well, whatever. But then I saw a picture of it, and I gasped out mm-hmm. loud. It was so, <laughs> so bad, bad. It's way worse than you think. It's awful. It's awful. Yeah. And there's also like a line of demarcation from like yes. <laughs> where the you can very clearly tell it's very dark and you can tell where the like sprayed hair begins. You can like see it in his pores. You, it's it's very bad. And some, someone posted a picture side by side of like him like on his tele, last television oh. appearance. You can tell oh. his hairline's way it's farther bad. back. It's bad. Well, you know, they ought to keep him off television. They should. No, no, no. That's what Jake Tapper said last time when he was no. on, on no, CNN. No, I was going to say the like, last time that I can recall. <laughs> mm-hmm. That he did was he was on Jake Tapper on yep. CNN. Yeah, they got into a little pissing contest because mm-hmm. he was such a pissant. Mm-hmm. And uh, and Jake Tapper, they had to call security to throw him yeah. off the set. He refused yeah. to leave the set. Yeah, and and everybody thought, well, that was it, right? Mm-hmm. For, I couldn't believe that he was back this weekend. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Jay Tapper, Jay Tapper was like, this is why they don't let you on TV <laughs> or something like that after that. And that was almost a year ago. That was in January. Yeah, yeah. Whew. Well, um, all right. So, um, meanwhile, with all this at the border, mm-hmm. well, there's one other issue at the border I do have to ask you about. Yes. The, the, <clears throat> the, the, the tragic story of the seven-year-old seven girl from mm-hmm. uh, Guatemala mm-hmm. whom um, the... Um, ICE, I guess, said, or the Border Patrol. Yeah. Well, she hadn't been given anything to eat, mm-hmm. hadn't been mm-hmm. given anything to drink for yeah. seven days, yeah. and so too bad, but no mm-hmm. wonder she died. The father now says right. it's not true at yeah. all. Yeah, Well, I mean- How did this happen? Where was this? Was she coming up with her parents or in the part of the caravan across the border? Or what, are the, what do we know about this story? I don't know, know if she was story? part of the caravan, but she was with her father and a group of about 163 <laughs> other migrants. Um, and they were crossing between ports of entry, but very close to a, a, a port of entry in New Mexico. Um, and one thing I, you know, one thing I, I, I think is important here is that, you know, the the ports of entry where people are applying for asylum, which is what the family or this whole group is planning on doing, are so backed up that you get there. There's wait times of almost like a month, weeks of waiting at this port of entry because they're metering people at the border. They're only letting and in about. Yeah, 20 people a day or something right. like that or less. Um, so the wait times have gotten really long. So a lot of people get desperate. They, you know, you're in the desert walking for that period, long period of time. You just want to find a border agent and turn yourself in, which is what this group did. Um, so they were very close to uh, a port of entry in New Mexico. They turned themselves in um, and were taken by Customs and Border Patrol. Um, and the I believe the hour, the amount of time they were in the car was about four or five hours um, and the little girl started vomiting on the van about five in the morning. They didn't get to the facility until um, about 6.30. And that's when she started having seizures. She started vomiting more. She got really, really sick. But in that time period, you know, the dad said he notified border agents that she was feeling really, really sick. 
um, and as she was not given any water or not given any food during that time period. Um, and, you know, Border Patrol said they did everything they could to save her. It's not really clear what they did. She was taken to a hospital um, where she was revived, but I believe she died about 24 hours later, less than 24 hours later. Um, but So sad. Yeah, it's, just... it's, it's a horrifying story. And, and, and Telemundo Noticias found her family in Guatemala. Um, and it's the watching the video just like really, really it was emotional for me because this family lived in like a one room like shack in the middle of rural Guatemala. The family did not have any the boys that she had uh, two other siblings, three other siblings. They didn't have any shoes. Now the family's in debt to coyotes. They're in debt a bunch of money. So now they're worried about how they can pay um, the coyotes. They're worried for their safety. Um, and so it's just a very horrible situation. Um, the family did not speak Spanish or English. Well, they spoke a little bit of Spanish, but they mostly spoke Quechi, which is the uh, indigenous language to Guatemala. And that's a bit, bit a, been a big problem for a lot of people is that there haven't been interpreters who speak Mom, which is another Guatemalan um, indigenous dialect or Quechi. Um, and the father, they think there's a lawsuit that's been brought against Border Patrol, but the father said that, you know, he was forced to sign papers he didn't know in English. A lot of the times they're, you know, given papers in English that they're not entirely sure what they say and they're signing away. They don't know what they're signing away or signing for. So, yeah, it's it's a it's a horrifying story. And and, um, you know, uh, a lot of times people are, you know, le- loving to, you know, drive home the point that they were, oh, they're crossing illegally, should have gone to a port of entry, blah, blah, blah. Or, you know, she that's. Uh, you know the whole GOP talking point that like you know oh this is this is this is why we shouldn't the the the, the purpose is not or the point is not what DHS or CPB does to these people the point is this is this is the how bad the journey is um, which is what a lot of people were saying like Jason Chaffetz were saying um, on the Sunday shows and Saturday shows and for, he I think he was on Sean Hannity but you know. DHS and, and Border Patrol makes the journey difficult for a reason. You know, there have been instances where there's this group called No More Deaths that leave out food and water along the train for my or mm-hmm. along the trail for migrants. And there have been instances, you know, where CPB agents dump out the water and ju- they, you know they'll leave out five jugs of water for people, and they've been dumping out water. And this is back in the Obama administration, but I think they, I, I, I there's no more, you know, documented cases, but I think you know, it's fair to say that they probably still do it. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it, they don't make it easy <laughs> um, for, for these people at all to just try and, and, and leave the horrible situations that they that they have faced back home. Uh, hard to believe that they could be more hard-hearted than they seem to have been in, in this particular case. Yeah. Um, so I do want to ask you, you've been writing also about, well, Paul Ryan, who has mm-hmm. suddenly um, taken a great interest in uh, immigrants and yeah. wanting to get as many immigrants as he can into the country. <laughs> Hey, that's uh, great. What a positive that great? story. <laughs> yeah, I love this. Well, it's his conversion as he's ready to leave office, see, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, the problem is for, that for him, the migrants that he's helping yeah. are from Ireland. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah, right. there, mm-hmm. there are these visas. Well, at least they're not from Norway. That wasn't Donald that's Trump right. who won the... Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah, that's right. We didn't want from these asshole countries. We yeah, them all yeah, from yeah. Norway. Yeah. yeah. Um, what's, what's Ryan up to? Yeah, so there are these... This is visa program called E3 Visas, and there's about... We get 10,000 of uh, these visas a year. Most of them... Ha- about half of them go to... Um, Australians right now, and so there are a bunch. Oh, there are Australians, a bunch. Australians, all right. Australians. Um, about only half of them are being used. So Paul Ryan's bill, and they're for people who have um, a bachelor's degree or equivalent, basically. And you come and you work in the United States. Um, and Ryan is proposing that we use. Wasn't HR one? I thought they were copying that. Yeah, this is a different type of visa. I'm not actually sure okay. what the difference between an HR one visa and okay. uh, a E three right. visa, but these are these are just dedicated for. Um, 
uh, college graduates. Yeah, recent college graduates or something like that. And um, so, but the rest of the remaining five thousand, Paul Ryan has a bill. I mean, you know, has overwhelming support in the House currently, um, and it's best, uh, you know, expected to be brought to a floor vote uh, this week. But um, yeah, about five thousand of them would be dedicated to you know uh, Irish uh, college graduates. Um, and in exchange for that, I think like Ireland would like sponsor visas for like uh, Americans. It'd be like an exchange program or something like that. Um, but yeah, it just struck me as very tone deaf when I saw that news. It came out I think on Friday, and I was I was still like really emotionally struck by like you know uh, the news of the border. Tone deaf. Yeah, term-deaf. yeah, I mean, and yeah, and I, I, when I wrote the story, I got a lot of people emailing me, messaging me, being like, "Well, you know, these people have bachelor's degrees, and you know, are the people at the border do they have bachelor's degrees? Um, you know, if so, we should give we should give them visas. But these people are you know educated." Um, and it's 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 it's, uh, it's something. <laughs> That's all I can say. Tone deaf. Uh, yeah, I mean, well, the biggest thing is like you know, like the immigrants from Norway. They're white. Yeah. Right. Well, yeah, and, that's the point. <laughs> uh, total, 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 double standard. All right, Rebecca. Um, lots and lots on this issue to keep you going. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's very, very important, too, and we'll see how that develops. And um, we wish you a happy holidays Thank and you. thanks you for coming well. in. Of course. Right? Uh, Monday, it's all yours now, this folks. Make the most of it. Come back tomorrow. Show.